As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hi there, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and across the Six Nations as Europe's elite go head-to-head in rugby's oldest international competition. Each week, we'll be looking at the QBE predictor, which forecasts the results of each round of matches. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. From London, I'm John Weeks, and this is The Standard. The current Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, is still on track to secure a relatively comfortable win at the 2024 London mayoral election, according to the latest polls. A YouGov survey for the Mile End Institute suggests that the Labour candidate is on 49% and his Tory rival, Susan Hall, is on 24%. Even in outer London, he leads Mrs Hall by 46% to 27, and in inner London by 54% to 19, according to the results which exclude don't knows and would not vote. But with two months to go and in the unpredictable landscape of UK politics, anything could happen. And there are three areas in particular that could put a dent in Sadiq Khan's hopes of becoming the first London mayor to serve three terms. In today's Evening Standard newspaper, Patrick Diamond, Professor of Public Policy at Queen Mary University of London, outlines those three areas, and he joins me now. So, Patrick, the latest polls show Sadiq Khan is still largely in the driving seat, but there are still a couple of months to go. You've outlined these three key areas that could damage his re-election hopes. First of all, can you just talk us through what they are? Yeah, so I think it's important to say that in the polling that we have done, which is featured in the Evening Standard today, Sadiq Khan is well ahead in the race to be the next London mayor. So in terms of his position vis-a-vis the Conservative candidate, Susan Hall, he's in a very strong position. But much of his strength is due to the fact that the Labour Party nationally is very popular in London. And when you ask Londoners about their views of how Sadiq Khan has performed as mayor, there is greater scepticism. And I think the scepticism is to do with the views of Londoners around crime, um, around housing, and also around the performance of the economy. And I think these are areas where he needs to reassure them over the next few months that he has 
an agenda that is going to make their lives better and he's going to be able to introduce the kinds of improvements that they want to see which will you know enable their quality of life to really improve so looking at crime then there's not much he can do to impact figures between now and may what do you think would be the best promise to make or policy change he could suggest to sort of appease londoners so we do see in our poll some evidence that trust in the Metropolitan Police is beginning to improve. Obviously, relations between the Metropolitan Police and some of the communities living in London have not been good over recent years. I think that's an understatement. And we do see some evidence that trust is beginning to improve. So I think as Mayor Sadiq Khan can really work on doing all the things that are necessary to improve community relations and really improve the quality of trust between citizens and the police. I think also, obviously, young people, there's a lot of concern about knife-related crime. And I think as Mayor Sadiq Khan can do a lot in terms of thinking about how we can use all of the services across London, in the education system, in the health system, in youth work, in community work, to do everything that can be done to really tackle the causes of serious violence and knife-related crime, which is impacting particularly negatively on our young people across London. And in terms of housing, it's an issue across the country, of course, but the particular issue for London seems to be that it's becoming so unaffordable to actually live in the city. Is there any sort of economic benefit to doing something radical to keep rents down, for example? I think certainly looking at rent controls, because there's a lot of concern about rising rents. Again, young people are particularly badly hit by the cost of housing because they're renting property or more likely to be renting. And of course, rents have soared in the years since the worst of the COVID pandemic. I think also looking at are there more ways in which we can get the house building programme and particularly affordable and social housing really kickstarted across London. Sadiq Khan is definitely working on this and there is a programme to build more homes, but he has had to announce some cuts to that programme because of funding cuts that have been imposed nationally. So I think, again, it's about working through what can be done through collaboration between the mayor, the boroughs and also the private sector to really try to increase the rate of affordable house building in what is no doubt a difficult economic environment. And looking at transport, I think Sadiq Khan would argue he has a fairly good record in some aspects of public transport. What more do you think he could offer or he needs to do to, again, win some votes? So here, I think, as you say, there has been some visible improvement in the quality of public transport across London in the time that Sadiq Khan has been mayor. And he's had some popular policies in this area, including trying to hold the level of bus fares at a reasonable level, which is, of course, very important for people who are working in London and don't necessarily earn high incomes. In terms of what more can be done to improve transport, I think here it's partly about the relationship that Sadiq Khan has with central government. I think in recent years that has been politically difficult. It's not, of course, entirely Sadiq Khan's fault, but I think improving relations with Whitehall would be an opportunity to, for example, negotiate a bigger capital budget that could start to fast track some of the necessary improvements in transport infrastructure across London. You know, there are proposals for a new phase of Crossrail. There are proposals to extend the tube line into southeast London. But of course, that requires capital investment and that requires Sadiq Khan to secure bigger budgets and powers from central government. So I think that is an area that he could really work on if he does win a third term in May. Let's take a break now. Coming up in part two, just how important will you, Les, be in this year's mayoral election race? 
There is, of course, a group of Londoners, as our poll shows, who are angry about ULEZ. And we saw in the Hillingdon by-election how that group of voters can, of course, affect the result of elections. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Your piece in today's paper, you said that Sadiq needs a more constructive relationship with central government. Just how tricky do you think that is going to be while the Conservatives remain in power? Well, it is tricky. And of course, we've seen in recent days um, the Islamophobic attack by the vice chair of the Conservative Party, Lee Anderson. Of course, that is really going to you know, further undermine relationships between Sadiq Khan and central government, even though the Prime Minister and others have tried to distance themselves from the Anderson's remarks. There's no doubt that that kind of divisive rhetoric is really going to damage political relationships. Beyond that, I think there is a feeling that central government has at times tried to use problems which are not of Sadiq Khan's own making to weaken his position as mayor. One of those examples would be the negotiations over Transport for London's budget, where, of course, TfL was badly hit by the pandemic because of the changes in the use of public transport in London as a result of lockdowns um, and furlough schemes and so on. And there was a sense that central government was not engaging with Sadiq Khan as constructively as it could have done. But, of course, there's the prospect in the coming years of perhaps a new relationship being forged, whoever is in government. And I think whether it's Labour or the Conservatives, they have to recognise that, of course, London's position is incredibly important for the strength of the UK. You know, the UK's economy is highly reliant on London and the southeast of England. We depend a lot on the revenues generated through financial services, for example, and other business exportable services, which raise revenue, which can then be invested in the UK's public services and the National Health Service and so on. And I think there's a sense that it isn't about London versus the rest of the country. For the north of England or for Wales or Scotland to do well, they also need London and the south east of England to be performing successfully. So there's a real motivation for whoever's in government to get the relationship with the Mayor of London right, not least because everybody needs London's economy to do better. And for London's economy to do better, we do need more investment in infrastructure, in the transport system, in skills, in education, and so on. So as I say, I think whoever's Prime Minister, there's a very important motivation for them to make sure that they get the relationship with the Mayor right, not for the sake of politics, but to get the right policies both for London and for the wider UK. So if what's predicted happens and Labour forms the next government, 
Do you think that will open the doors that Sadiq Khan needs to boost London in the way that I imagine he wants to? Look, undoubtedly. I mean, it doesn't mean that the relationship between the mayor and the prime minister is always an easy one. If you think back, of course, 20 years when Ken Livingston was mayor of London, he had, shall we say, a somewhat contentious relationship with the then prime minister, Tony Blair. But there's no doubt that having the same party in government as is in City Hall will make things easier in terms of negotiating a new devolution and financial settlement for London. I think there is a sense that, you know, we've had these structures in place in London now for 25 years in terms of the mayor and the assembly and the structure of the GLA. And we need to look again at, is it fit for purpose? Is there more powers that London needs that would help to make life better for people living in London? And with a Labour government in Whitehall and Westminster, I think it will frankly be easier for Sadiq Khan to make progress in terms of negotiating improvements to the devolution settlement and also crucially winning more funding and money for London. Another key issue that rumbles on, certainly in the headlines, is of course you, Les. Do you think, Patrick, that there are enough people angry about it to actually dent Sadiq Khan's re-election hopes? I don't believe so at the moment. There is, of course, a group of Londoners, as our poll shows, who are angry about you, Les. And we saw in the Hillingdon by-election how that group of voters can, of course, affect the result of elections. But across London, in truth, I don't think you, Les, is enough to change the result, even if it is a motivation for people living in outer London, particularly older voters, voters who may be more reliant on motor vehicles. It may be a motivation for them not to support Sadiq Khan, but it is not enough, I think, to affect the result of the election. And of course, it's also important to say that there are a significant constituency of Londoners who do support measures to limit car use. There is support for low traffic neighbourhoods. There is support for measures to try to make it safer for cyclists and pedestrians. So as I say, yes, I think ULES has caused anger, but it's not going to change, I think, the outcome of the mayoral election. And we usually see these same key issues we've already mentioned, but we covered in yesterday's episode of The Standard, Sadiq Khan and Susan Hall both sharing messages of unity against anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Do you think they will need to come up with clear, defined almost policies really about how they'll tackle these issues? Yeah, I think that there is a desire to see more detail in terms of what are public authorities actually doing to tackle the root causes of anti-Semitism and Islamic phobia, Islamophobia. There are powers, of course, and there are responsibilities on local authorities in particular. And I think one area where the mayor, whether it's Sadiq Khan or Susan Hall, could do more would be to have stronger working between the GLA and local councils, the London boroughs, in terms of using all of the resources that they have to try to strengthen community relations, doing more to achieve integration across communities, getting communities to meet and talk together much more than they do at present. So I think it's partly about investing in that sort of provision, as well as using the influence that the mayor has to really try to shape the conversation that we have in London, um, which, as you say, you know, there is a real concern now about disunity. And whoever is running London, whoever is the leader, needs to really emphasise the importance of trying to strengthen community cohesion in the future. So looking at Sadiq's main rival then, Susan Hall, what is her trump card? What do you think she does better than Sadiq Khan in terms of policies and popularity? So it's important to say that with Susan Hall's position, she is obviously going into the race disadvantaged by the fact that she is standing for a political party, the Conservatives, who are not popular in London. And in fact, the poll that we've published today shows the Conservatives 
with one of their lowest ever ratings in London in terms of how Londoners would vote in a general election. So Susan Hall does face an uphill battle, and I think it's obviously important to emphasise that. She does have a constituency of support among voters in outer London, particularly those who were supportive of Brexit and also those who voted Conservative in the 2017 and 2019 elections. They are the kinds of voters who, back to your previous question, probably are more concerned about issues like ULEs and attempts to limit car use. They're probably also less likely to be supportive of policies around affordable housing, for example. So they have different priorities. And I think Susan Hall is going to try to speak to those priorities over the coming months. The difficulty that she has is that although there is a group of votes there to be won, or there are votes that can potentially be won from that group, it's probably not enough to change the outcome of the election. Pick up the Evening Standard newspaper for more news, interviews and analysis or head to standard.co.uk. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock.